1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
0: Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Happy Friday. Not really the greatest looking Friday, though. I it, Here in our Amherst studios, it is Pouring outside, it's been on and off since like 4 30, and it is just dropping out there. Although, I'm not against like a good rain day, especially it was, it was very hot and muggy today, so I'm, I'm not really against a rain day. But I do have some fun news as it was the return to the blue and red scrimmage today for the Bills. It's actually, I'm pretty sure, still going on. I think they've probably got about another half hour or so. So that's still going on. We're obviously going to talk a lot about the highlights from that, at least from what I've seen on Twitters. Of course, I'm not there. I am, as I said, in our Amper Studios, I'm, so I'm not out in Orchard Park. We're also going to look a little bit deeper into the AFC East again. It's been a few weeks since we've done that. And now we're starting to hear a lot of rumors from, you know, division rivals camps. What's going on? Who looks good? Who looks like crap? Who's going to be some people? Who's going to be, you know, just running the mill? Also had our first preseason game yesterday. A little bit of a rain day, rain delay, but ultimately that game got in with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I watched about the first half of that, and I was really proud of myself because traditionally I will truly and utterly watch about two series worth, so I get around the first quarter in before I'm just like, this is a nightmare. I'm out. I can't believe I've done this. Get me out of here. And I, And I watched about the first half. I didn't hate it. Uh, if you were listening um, on Show on the Bulldog, me and Mike we were talking a lot about it too, where Josh Jacobs, the Ra- uh, the Raiders starting running back for the last two years, he was in most of the game, or at least a good chunk of it. So that was kind of interesting to watch, and that made it easy to kind of keep watching is that I knew a good amount of the players still in. Uh, Jacksonville, they're okay. Trayvon Walker had a sack, which is always nice to see for the first overall pick to get in there his first game, he gets a sack. It's preseason, but you know it's always a boost of confidence, and a lot of this stuff is mental. You gotta you gotta believe that you belong in the league, kind of deal. But the Raiders come out with a win. I don't remember the score. I think it was 27-11. wasn't close. But I do want to start today, of course, talking about the Bills scrimmage because there was some fun news from it. Nothing official, but Josh Allen for the second scrimmage in a row decides to stun fans with what he's wearing. Last year it was all of the quarterbacks coming out in the white pants the red jerseys with the white helmets and of course what we knew was coming last year the uh, white face masks today he decides to blow everyone's mind and he came out in a red helmet there were blue stripes down the line we'll talk about we'll talk about the blue stripes We'll, we'll get to the blue stripes but it was the red helmet and a lot of people were like oh my gosh is this like the bills announcing like their alternate helmet you know i thought i thought the deadline had passed and all this and Update, the deadline did pass. They are not going to be using an alternate uniform, or I'm sorry, an alternate helmet. Uh, this was just something kind of fun for Josh to do. He ultimately didn't even wear it during the scrimmage. He went right back to the white helmet. But real quick on that, looked great, initially looked great. The side view, spectacular. I'm someone that didn't even want the red helmets all that much, but the look of it looked it looked clean, especially with even the red jersey. I was very stunned at how much I like that. The blue stripes, though, need to never be seen again. They they should never see the light of day ever again. I don't. I don't want to say whose idea was that. That's a bit mean. I, you know, there's no need for that. But I just don't don't bring out the red helmet, like the blue stripes with that white helmet or uh, with the red helmet. That didn't look good at all. It kind of looked like they were parting as well. So it, it kind of. I don't want to say it looked a little cheap, but you can tell they kind of thought of this like last minute. Because I think what killed it too is that it was all red with the blue stripes and then the blue Buffalo, obviously there needed to be some white in there. I think it needed to be white down the middle. You can maybe keep the blue stripes then, but there needed to be white down the middle. It looked after you got like the full look of it. No, not good. But I will say, you know, this plays into Josh Allen's character about an hour ago, obviously, when this came out. The Bills tweeted out, disclaimer, Josh Allen tricked everyone, including the social media admin, and we're sticking with the White Helmets this season. Please direct all feedback to your favorite quarterback, Josh Allen. I, man, he's, I I already know in like 15 years when he retires, it's going to be really difficult and almost impossible for me to get over it. It really is going to be bad. He has just been... The gift that keeps on giving. He, he's a ton of fun. He was doing some stuff with, um, I, I believe it was uh, deaf children who came to camp, I want to say two days ago. And he was just hanging out with them. And even uh, the supervisor for that event kind of was saying, like, just how great Josh is with kids, especially kids with disabilities, and how he really is just like a big brother to these kids. He's a big kid. I mean, we hear that from the Bills all the time. Every player basically says Josh is just a big goofball. But it is nice to see that. I mean, he really is that. He's just a goofball. He likes to have fun. I think even if you if you asked Josh now, you know, what's it like to be, you know, a superstar in sports, not just football, just a, a superstar in sports, he'd still probably tell you he's stunned and that he's he's surprised he's here it's one of those. Like he's just happy to be playing the game of football. And it's just it's so cool to see. And it's it's little stuff like that where he just, you know. Decides to come on a red helmet because he was paying attention to Bills fans, seeing that a lot of them wanted to see the red helmet. So he decided to come out in it. Some other highlights from that, obviously, he's Khalil Shakir continuing to impress everybody. He continues his momentum from just camp practices. And apparently, from what it sounds like, is he's he's making a ton of easy catches. Or, I'm sorry, making catches that look easy. And he, he's, he's getting big touchdowns. He's extending drives. Which is not surprising. Khalil Shakir was always a very smooth receiver. He will make the difficult catches look easy. He will make easy catches look easy. He never has been somebody that makes the job look harder than, you know, I I guess it is. So to see that his stock continues to rise is not surprising to me in the slightest. Khalil Shakir, I'm sorry, uh, James Cook has been another person who his star continues to rise as well. He looked very shifty. He looked fast. All things that he absolutely is. Now, again with James Cook, he's not going to be a traditional running back. He never will be. I will be stunned if at any point in his career he is a guy that for three downs can just take the rock and go up the middle. He's effectively a receiver in the backfield. I now am almost taking the college route of things of, of how to describe a player to James Cook, and I'm just going to call He's an athlete. He is an athlete that gets the ball because he's not really a running back, and they're not going to line him up at receiver. Or at receiver 100% of the time. And they're not going to line him up at running back 100% of the time. So to me, it almost feels like he is just an athlete for the Bills to use. He is a playmaker that they can throw out there and let him make plays. He is one of the faster athletes on the team. He is one of the taller athletes on the team. He, He adds a dimension the Bills have not had with Josh Allen at quarterback. And now, with it sounding like Isaiah McKenzie, is not running away with the slot receiver position, but definitely making it difficult for basically anyone else to get in there. It's big for him, for Josh, that he's going to have two guys that he can truly just give him a five-yard out, and they can do a ton of work. Because for pretty much all of Josh's career, he has had to be the one that does the work in terms of you got to make a big play. So he scrambles, he runs around, and there are guys getting open. But in terms of making it look really difficult, the Bills have been very good at that. They may get a 35-yard touchdown, but the line's going to break down, Josh is going to scramble, he's going to break a tackle, and he's going to fire it down the sidelines for Diggs, Davis, Knox, somebody. Where I think now... This will open up the receivers and what they're able to do. It'll open up Josh and what he's able to do. We saw it at the end of last year as well that when the line got good, they really did want to introduce throwing the ball more to running back. Singletary, for as good as he was rushing the ball at the end of last year, he also got really consistent at catching the ball and really just extending drives. You know, never take a negative play on like a second and eight, It'd be like third and one, or he'd get a first down just you know taking a five-yard dump off. Cook is better at that. So while I think Singletary is going to probably start the year as the number 1 running back, and I said that when we were looking at camp battles a few weeks ago, Cook is not going to be on the bench. He is too good of an athlete on a team that uses too many guys on offense for them to not find a spot for him. It's why I'm confident, in terms of fantasy discussion, don't take these guys. I think that would be a not great move. But that's why I think guys like Khalil Shakir and James Cook will get on the field is because the Bills for years with Dable, and I think it's absolutely going to continue on with Dorsey, need guys. They need dudes who are going to get on the field and contribute. Now you have guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Marquise Stevenson, who who have not really contributed at all. And I think they're willing to be patient with them because they're draft picks, but really the Bills, even with later picks, want contributors. They want guys that if push came to shove, they can go out there and they won't lose games because of them. And that's why, you know, them drafting Cook and Shakir and Elam, they are very clearly adults in the room who are here for one reason only. It is to work, is to better their craft. They are all workaholics. And while sometimes that can be a lot, a, a very frustrating if you're, you know, outside looking in, you know, if they're your friend realizing, like, man, they never want to come out and all that stuff, and I, you know, I never get to see you. But. In you know professional sports, you want workaholics. You want guys that are so addicted to perfecting their craft that I you know I always look to the Peyton Manning discussion. Like, I I, I want to say it's Jeff Saturday that maybe said it, or maybe even Pat is the one that kind of out outed it and said it. But you know early in Manning's career, or like the middle part of his career when you know he was clearly an elite quarterback, there were guys on the Colts that were stunned. He, he had a girlfriend, or I, I think at that point now it was his wife. Because of of the amount of film he studied, just the amount of, of, of work he had put into his craft. Allen is that person, too. I mean, we don't go in off-season without hearing that he's with Joe Marino—excuse uh, me, not Joe Marino, uh, Jordan Palmer, working on his mechanics. I mean, he's gotten to the point now where he was breaking it down in film— like millisecond by millisecond, seeing where his arm was, where, where what his angles were looking like. We got we got to that point with Josh, and now of course he throws the ball in in a more adjusted version of like what Aaron Rodgers does. It, if you go back, it's a late Friday night. I you know the weather's eh, eh. if you got time, go back tonight and watch Josh Allen's rookie year highlights throwing the ball, and his his highlights his third year because that's really when the mechanics very drastically looked different. Look how different it is. It is noticeable in every way how different his mechanics were from year one to year three. It was ridiculous. I noticed it the first game when they were playing the Jets. I mean, the big thing I wanted to see that game, honestly, was Stephon Diggs, his, his debut with the Bills. But you just noticed like, Allen wasn't a strider anymore. There was more touch to the ball. He clearly had – things were down. His footwork was spectacular. That's what these guys that they the, the guys they draft now, third, fourth, fifth round they're all that, all of them are that. Look at Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, whose stock apparently after tonight is 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 factual. It is exactly what it should be. Everyone is saying the same thing. It's not that he's all of a sudden falling off a cliff in the scrimmage. Apparently, it is. He no, he is going to be this team's number two receiver, and he may pop this year. Gabe Davis came out of UCF. with with running three to four routes his entire career in college and yet go back to that playoff game that Kansas City game I know a lot of us don't want to watch the highlights again I have I have officially watched the entire game but you watch Davis play he is running crisp routes he is running routes he never ran in college he comes in with elite traits. We talked a little bit about that with Khalil Shakir yesterday, where he's got that little bit of Debo Samuel in him. And I, and I mentioned Gabe Davis on the sideline is, is exceptional. Has been since his rookie year. But now, it, like, the guys they get, you've got to be able to come into work and to be coachable. As an athlete myself, from years ago, I'm well retired now. I'm out of college, the whole thing. But that was always like the clear cut. You have to be coachable. You can be the greatest athlete in the world. You can even be a hard worker. But if you're not coachable, those little details that make your game better will all of a sudden become bad habits, and those bad habits will become just muscle memory, and it will take you years and hard work and more hard work to get rid of those and to make the good habits stick. Josh sort of dealt with that a little bit when he came in as a quarterback. He was a strider, obviously, as I said. He didn't really have a ton of touch. And not to blame coaching you know, at Wyoming or you know smaller high school in Fireball California, but he doesn't have the same resources if he had gone to the University of Alabama or Ohio State. He just doesn't. That's you know it's not a, a, a knock on anybody. Alabama and Ohio State run themselves like pro programs. That's essentially what they are. But the guys they bring in now, I, I, I'm not surprised when these rookies hit. And I wasn't surprised at the video that came out after Kyrie Elam was drafted of, you know, he's a note taker. He's, he's a huge note taker. He's kept his notebook from, from all the way back in Florida. I wouldn't be surprised if he had one back in high school. That That's just that's a personality trait. Someone that has to take notes, that looks back at their past mistakes and really grinds the tape. That is a personality trait. That is not a taught skill. You can teach someone to take better notes. But you cannot teach someone to be a note-taker. That is just that is who you are. So Elam fits the DNA of this team. Khalil Shakir fits the DNA of this team. James Cook fits the DNA. They're workers. They all have elite traits coming out. And, you know, Mike brought up earlier today on uh, uh, Mike's uh, show from the Bulldog, you know, talking... You know, years ago, what what did the Bills do well during like during the drought? What did, what did they do well? Cuz now the Bills seemingly do everything well. They get free agents, they draft well. Keeping their own guys, it seems like everything's a discount. Like they like they do almost everything well at this point. I remember uh, back when the draft was really coming up, looking back at the Bills' drafts. It was atrocious. I mean, the, the, this, these were teams that, that couldn't re-sign a second-round pick when their contract came due because they were so bad. It was something of, we just need to get off this this player now. We need to move on. I mean, that's... And now I'm sitting here, and we're all losing our mind on a, on a Super Bowl favorite team that three draft picks here could be real, real contributors. Elam makes sense. He's a first round pick at corner. They had a need there. Makes total sense. Cook, a little bit more sense. The running back position's kind of been up in the air in terms of what they're doing. Apparently it sounds like Zach Moss. He may be, not a camp hero again, but definitely showing up in camp again, which he and we did last year, so I kind of want to wait a little bit on that one. But then even Terrell Bernard, a guy they took in the third round who and no one really knows what's going on there, has looked really good in camp, has looked like he belongs. He's athletic. He's fast. Shakir, a fifth-round pick. I've said it before, a lot of draft experts had him in the third. Brandon Bean himself even said if they had a fourth-round pick and he was there, they were going to take him in the fourth. He looks phenomenal. He looks like he's going to make the roster running away and could really contribute his rookie year. Matt Araiza, zero problem holding so far. Zero problem holding so far. That was the one thing we all heard. The booming kicks, he was going to work on his hang time, but the real thing was, can he hold for Tyler Bass? Yep, zero issue. Now, Benford, Tanuta, and Spectre, little iffy, but to be fair, that's 6th, 6th, and 7th round picks. That's tough. But you look through these, some of these past drafts, and you're just seeing like starter, starter, depth player. You go back to the year prior, Greg Rousseau, Ooh, the stuff coming out about him in camp has me really excited. Learning from Von Miller, and apparently Von's feeding him Castellina nails to get him tough. He's 6'7", Groot, a massive human being. He had some shining moments his rookie year. Coming in now, second year, with Ed Oliver, clearly taking another step towards being an elite interior pass rusher. Then you get Von Miller on that other side. I think is going to pop this year. And be sort of one of those surprise guys that has eight and a half, nine and a half sacks. Maybe even push to the double digits. Boogie Basham, we'll see where that goes. I'm not, I, haven't, I have not been to training camp at all. I have no idea what's, what's being said, but to be fair, he's kind of one of the few guys that you just really don't hear much about him. But then Spencer Brown, your starting right tackle. He's your starting right tackle. You got him in the third round. Tyler Doyle, definitely a a depth tackle. Marquez Stevenson, he may be your kick and punt returner. We don't know. He's got a foot injury, so he's out for a few weeks. DeMar Hamlin, I've yet to hear a bad thing about Hamlin. He's going to make the team. Wild Goose and Jack Anderson, they're not on the team. Go back to 2020. AJ Vanessa, he also seems like he may be making a jump. We'll see what's going on there. Zach Moss, he he continues to stay alive. He's, he continues to be that guy. Gabriel Davis, I is there a single person here who doesn't think he's not going to be exceptional this year? It, it, that feels like it's it's the it's the prevailing thought of just Bill's Mafia as a whole that Gabe Davis is going to be awesome this year. Tyler Bass in the sixth round. In Bass, we trust, straight Bass, homie. I mean, look, he's a fan favorite as a kicker. He's been phenomenal since he's gotten here. And Dane Jackson in the seventh has been a great cornerback for this team. His rookie year, he had to deal with DeAndre Hopkins that Arizona game. He did wonderful in that game. Go back to 2019. Ed Oliver. He hit. He hit. Absolutely. Devin Singletary has had great moments. Dawson Knox. Yeah. Jaquan Johnson is still on this team. Then you go back to 2018. Obviously, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. Teron Johnson may be the best nickel corner in football. Then 2017, of course, Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano. Look at those draft classes they are putting together. It's why I have no problem getting excited about you know a second and fifth round pick like really being major contributors on a Super Bowl team. Because what they've shown me is they draft contributors day one. That's what this regime has done since they've gotten here. Because you go back before that, 2016, the year before McDermott gets here, Shaq Lawson, we brought him back, but ultimately as a first round pick, he was not what they wanted. He became great run defender, not a good pass rusher. Reggie Rackland, I don't even think, played a game for the Bills. Adolphus Washington, no. Carlos Jones, no. Jonathan Williams, no. Go to 15, Ronald Darby, John Miller in the third. Carlos Williams was fun for a year. Nick O'Leary was a fun story. 2014 pains me to my core. Sammy Watkins in the first, obviously. Cyrus Quanjo in the second, disaster. Preston Brown led a bad defense in tackles one time. Sorrell Richardson, No. Look how drastically different these draft classes are. I mean, you want to talk about something the Bills do elite? Second round picks they need a bit of work on. But everywhere else...
2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com.
0: Rules and restrictions may apply. In the rough, They're getting great first-round picks. They are making it work. And now it sounds like at, this, at the return of blue and red scrimmage tonight, the rookies continue to make plays. They continue to look exactly what we've heard all through camp. by the way just announced nearly 36,000 people at practice tonight for a practice look at the camp. i mean just look, look, look at the hype around this team this year i think a part of me is worried i'm going to be nervous every single week right i like like that i'm going to have to like take a deep breath before every single game I'm like just please don't lose just please don't lose cuz i want i i never want the hype to kind of derail i never want the train to kind of wiggle around on the track but, you know, I'm getting texts from my family and friends who are at the scrimmage, and it's just, it's, it's tough for me to think they're not going to win 12, 13 games. And to be fair, I went into last year thinking the same thing, and they won 11. But you, you look back at that year, too, they had one of the worst runs in close games you're going to see. And that stuff is not coaching, it's not anything like that, it's just bad luck. And usually it flips the other way or goes back to 500 the next year. Because the year prior, when the Bills went 13-3, they were exceptional in closing out games. It's just it's the luck of the draw. You just hope it kind of happens to you on your your great year. And now the Bills are coming in in a year where they just got Von Miller. They added elite depth and elite starting ability to their secondary. They're going to get Tredavious White back. They missed him since Thanksgiving last year. The receiving core continues to get better and better and they're able to bring back pretty much every important piece, maybe for one of the last times. Everyone is in a great age range. No one seems to have aged themselves out in terms of being just just too old. There is so much promise on this team. Not even just for this year, but for years down the line. Because as much as it's going to suck to lose some of these great guys, I look back through their draft classes now, the, the, the Bean McDermott draft classes, and I realize, man... But they can reload quickly. They can reload so fast. Because they lose Beasley, who got a ton of production out of this offense. A ton. He was instrumental. But Isaiah McKenzie has become potentially a legitimate slot receiver. They draft Khalil Shakir, who can come in and be both an outside and inside wide receiver, and they bring in Crowder. They went, who's Cole Beasley? And it's this, and this not to be mean. It's not to you know disparage what he did for this team. But it's just to show that they will continue to move forward. I am somebody, and I don't believe in jinxes. I am somebody, you're looking through the history of the NFL, when you have a great coach, a great front office, and a great quarterback, and I mean truly like top three quarterback, it is an anomaly to not win at least one Super Bowl. And they continue to load up. Dan Marino is like the one truly generational quarterback that, w- without a doubt, his entire era, he was top three to not win a Super Bowl. And to be fair, what was Dan Marino's biggest issue? And I know this is coming from a, a young guy, I did not live during Marino's era, but I am a football historian. I love going back and just seeing what happened. Marino's biggest issue was the fact that he had an aging Don Shula who seemingly lost the feel of the game and a front office who couldn't do a single thing right. He got there with the Marks brothers. They were there already. And they never upgraded that team from 84. 84 is the only truly year, truly great year for the Marino Dolphins. After that, it's all 10 wins, 9 wins. Maybe they throw an 11 win here. But they were always second tier to the Bills. Always second tier to the Bills. Dan Marino did a lot of his stuff alone in the sense of ownership. GM, head coach, and him—he did a lot of it alone. Josh is not doing this alone. McDermott, this is his first head coaching stop. He is going to make mistakes. Stuff of the 13 seconds was mistakes. And yet, I have full confidence they will get better because they have every single year. We all got to remember that AFC Championship game. That first when we played Kansas City, we did not look like a competitive team against them. It Kansas City looked light years ahead of us. And yet, realistically, the Bills should have been 2-0 against them last year. In reality, the Bills should have been 2-0 last year against them, hosting the AFC Championship game. And I think the Chiefs got worse this year. And I think the Chargers and the Broncos and the Raiders are just going to beat each other up too much in that AFC West. And the Bills, as much as in, in our next segment, when we take a quick time out here in just a minute, we're going to talk a little bit about the AFC East. And I'm telling you, even though I think the Jets are going to be a better team this year, even though I I think Miami's not, not going to be a pushover, I think the Bills win five games. I think last year really told this team, no, you have to show up every week. You have to be ready to go. Because getting a one seed, getting that you know home field advantage, or even just that week off is so huge to a team of your ability. And they keep reloading with rookies. They keep bringing in free agents this I there in my lifetime. And I, and I wonder about a lot of people's lifetimes because I know the nineties bills had a ton of expectations, but when did you really come into a season, which is, it almost feels like blind faith because a part of me really is like, I don't know how we'll react if this team loses in like the wild card round or if like we're in week 15 and the division isn't still wrapped up. I, this team to me just feels so well put together and in the perfect spot to really make a jump. You don't even have the excuse now that McDermott or Allen haven't been in, in, in the playoffs long enough. Their last thing to do is win a road playoff game in, in something Patrick Mahomes hasn't even had to play in yet. So to me, it's not even a, a bridge they have to cross. If you're good enough to never have to play a road playoff game, that more power to you. I am just... The, the scrimmage and seeing some of the tweets coming out of this has just gotten me so... So excited for this season. I cannot wait for it to start. I let's breeze through the breeze season. I never want any of these starters to take snaps. I just let's get to LA. Let's get to LA and see what happens. I'm so excited for the ride and what can happen because I grew up in the drought and for years I never thought of the idea of even having a good football team to root for. And now we all do. We all do. And I'm so so excited. We are going to take a quick time out, when we come back. We're going to take a deeper dive into the rest of the AFC East, as most of the training camps have now really crystallized into what's going on, negatives, positives, surprises, and some stuff that we all kind of thought was going to happen. We'll do that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back into the nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you on what is turning out to be a turnaround of a Friday in terms of the weather report. It was pouring, like, for that entire first segment. Now the sun is starting to pop out, which is kind of nice, because, like, the idea of running to my car and pouring rain was not something I was looking forward to today. At all. At all. I posed a question on Twitter, because to me, I mean, of course, I'm 24 years old. I did not live during the 90s, but I... I do know the 90s teams. I've looked them up. I've watched documentaries. I've read articles about them and stuff like that. Of Just the feel that those 90s teams had. And so I posed the question on Twitter, has there ever been a year a team for the Bills that had as much or more hype than this year? Had a few tweets come in. Uh, We're going to get connected to our fans, brought to you by the law firm of Gelber and O'Connell. They take your personally injured cases. Personally, Josh Allen stand says any of, the, uh, any of the Super Bowl years after the first one. I find that interesting because, I mean, that's the one to go to, right? I mean, like, it's the 90s Bills, right? And I'm going to probably get a lot of flack for what I'm about to say, but I'm feeling really good on a Friday. I've got a lot of energy, so I'm going to say it. Jim Kelly is already not the quarterback Josh Allen is now. In terms of the league's eyes, in terms of Bills fans... In terms of actual play, Josh Allen is already the better quarterback. Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer. I'm not taking anything away from that. He absolutely deserves that. But Josh Allen is, without question, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in football and will likely be for the next 10 to 15 years. Jim Kelly never was that. He was a Hall of Famer, yes, and he was never on the same stratosphere in terms of league view, in terms of legitimate play, as a guy like Dan Marino. Steve Young. John Elway. John Elway also went to a ton of Super Bowls. He went to five. And took a far worse team to those Super Bowls. At least three of them. In which, yes, he did get blown out by the NFC teams. I don't disagree with that. But he won two of them at the end of his career. Against, an also, great quarterback in Brett Favre in one of them. I... I like Jim Kelly. But Josh Allen is the better quarterback. And some of those Super Bowls, Kelly did not help them. And yet, I can think of two games in terms of the elite Josh Allen era where I genuinely thought he's hurting the Bills. And really, never in big games. The Tampa Bay overtime game, Josh did everything to try to win that game. The Chiefs, both Chiefs games, he has been lights out. The Patriots games, really outside of a monsoon, even then, most of us wanted him to pass more. Josh Allen was lights out. He is unquestionably a top two or three quarterback in the league right now. I think with the 90s Bills, that was much more of an overall team feel. But even now, looking back, those Cowboys teams were better than them. They were partially better coached than them. And then Washington... I'm sorry, Jim Kelly has to outduel Mark Rypien. He has to. That's not good enough. And it gets worse when the year prior, Kelly and/or the Bills' offense couldn't outduel Jeff Hofstetler. The '90s Bills were awesome, and they are one of the greatest unfulfilled dynasties in sports. And yet, they are a huge disappointment. And I think in the next few years, it'll become more and more apparent that the current Bills are a better overall team than those were. Even if, you know, Bruce Smith is the all-time sack leader. Andre Reid and James Lofton are both both Hall of Famers. Thurman Thomas is a Hall of Famer. I will take Josh Allen 10 times out of 10 and most of the current Bills defense over the 90s Bills defense. And feel really good about my chances in all those games. But I did promise we would look a little bit more into the AFC East as a whole. Camps are really getting going. Now it's not even just the Bills. It's pretty much every team is really starting to get into uh, their scrimmages, really big into camp and all that stuff. So we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into some of those. Mainly, I get to trash the Patriots, which is always one of my favorite things to do in my life. And we'll talk about the Dolphins and, and the Jets, I guess, as well. But starting with the Patriots... Patriots, some reports are coming out from camp that the Patriots offense looks completely out of sorts, which who's surprised when Matt Patricia is now calling plays, but not really the offensive coordinator. He's just calling plays now, I guess, after being a complete tire fire as a head coach in Detroit. And Joe Judge, I guess, is also part of that. And he was also even worse in the Giants as head coach. I don't hate Mac Jones. I also think, though, the Patriots have done him no favors in terms of actually progressing. I think we've gotten to a point now with Bill Belichick. He's checked out. He is checked out. He just wants yes-men. He wants former underlings to continue to be underlings. He does not want to change. He does not want to evolve. And And you can see that from his defenses. He'll have a game here and there against a young quarterback where he truly dominates like he always does against young quarterbacks. Zach Wilson from last year. Five picks, I want to say. Four came in like the first five passes of the game. But then he has games against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans where he gets carved. Because defenses are slow. They're from 20 years ago, and they haven't adjusted since. And now to hear that all of a sudden... You know, rumors and and Patriots supporters are not really happy and that the offense just looks all out of sorts and there's no consistency. And there are, are, are plays over and over again where Mac Jones and Billy Zapp, their uh, draft pick from this year rookie, just are throwing the ball away. They're just tossing it away. I mentioned that when I talked about Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's when you knew the offense wasn't working with Aaron Rodgers because he led the league in throwaways. Some of those are great decisions. Other times, it's just the play fell apart. There's nothing to go here. I'm throwing the ball away to live another down. He led the league in that, I think, two out of three years at the end of Mike McCarthy's run. And the, th- the third year, he was like second. So to hear that the Patriots' quarterbacks are just throwing the ball away, they're not seeing a successful route with these teams or w- with these schemes, these offensive skill players, anything... It makes sense. Who's a positive skill player they have? Who is is a highly regarded offensive coordinator? I forgot they don't have one. It's Matt Patricia. I The Patriots have lived in my nightmares for most of my life. But as I've gotten older and as I've watched football more, and as life moves on, I find out more and more Tom Brady kept that ship afloat way longer than he should have way longer than any quarterback should have to. Look at the end of those of, of Brady's career, when they lost to the Tennessee Titans, when his, his final throw in Gillette Stadium for the Patriots was a pick six. There wasn't a drop of talent on those teams. They haven't gotten much better. They spent a ton of money, and they made the playoffs last year, and yet you go through most stats and they tell you The year after spending a ton of money and making the playoffs likely or improving, there is a steady decrease. That building heavily through free agency does not help. It helps in the short term, not in the long term. You need to build through the draft. You need to keep your own. Belichick can't draft anymore, and honestly, never really could. But he had Tom Brady, and he could always get one or two key free agents to stay, to come into Foxborough, and now that is gone. I don't believe in the Patriots in the slightest. I don't think they'll finish second in the division. I think Miami will. And Miami, the report's coming out of them. Tua looks good. Tyreek Hill looks good. Jalen Waddell looks good. I want to see it with live bullets. I want to see how Tua looks when guys are really coming after him, when he's got to make a tight throw with things collapsing around him. He can't take two or three steps forward to fire it. I want to see how that looks for him. But the Patriots are not going to finish second in the division. Miami will. And the Jets, from a lot of stuff I'm reading, they're up and down a lot of the times. But for the most part, Wilson is popping. He has got a ton of upside. He does. He's the only other quarterback in this division that has any sort of upside. Legitimate upside. He's the only one. Tua... After hip surgeries and really his lack of arm strength, there's not really a ton of athletic upside. And Jones came out with that kind of being the case, and you had to deal with that. We'll see what Zach Wilson can do, but to be fair, that Jets team has a ton of high-end potential talent. They really do. That offensive line looks good. Carl Lawson apparently is blowing up practices on the defensive line. Brees Hall looks everything advertised. And I know a lot of Bills fans watch him because for... Two months we had to hear from every draft expert how, how the Bills were going to draft him in the first round. So we all know what Brees Hall looks like. Elijah Moore looks like a stud. Garrett Wilson looks good. The Jets could be a problem. And New England is, is leaving, being left completely behind. And yet, what I said at the top of the hour, even with the positives coming out of the Dolphins and Jets camp, I trust this Bills team almost almost concerningly because I trust the quarterback. I trust their star pass rusher in Von Miller. I trust that Tredavious White's going to get healthy because I also trust that the team won't rush him back. They won't feel like we need to get him on the field. They will work him back in because they trust their system on defense. I trust that Ken Dorsey won't take a month and a half to get used to being an offensive coordinator. That the fact that the bills elevated him from inside and the fact that he has been with this group for a while bodes well for this whole offense. And I trust the fact that Gabe Davis, under you know, the tutelage of Chad Hall at at as wide receiver coach and Stephon Diggs as you know a stud receiver next to you is going to really pop for this team. They may not win fifteen games. I think that'd be absurd. But I really think they can win 12 or 13 and get that one seed. I really, really do. Because I think the division, as as much as it's improving, Miami still needs to figure out how to get over Josh. They, I, again, I've, I've made mention of this too. Even bad games from the Bills offense seems to wind up with 35 points against the Dolphins. And they lost Brian Flores. They got rid of him to bring in Mike McDaniel. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. But we'll see how that Dolphins defense looks. Because I'm telling you right now, even Mike McDaniel will tell you, as as Tua's head coach, he doesn't want to get into a shootout with Josh Allen. Not with Tua as his quarterback. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. New England Patriots don't want to get in a shootout with the Bills, and the Jets don't want to get in a shootout with the Bills. Nobody does. Kansas City might be the only team that genuinely welcomes it, and they may not have the talent anymore to always win. But I will tell you, a concerning thing is Sky Moore, their second-round pick, does look really good. He looks really, really good. So they may get rid of Tyreek Hill, but have somebody that can be a stud on that offense. We're going to take quick quick timeout. We'll wrap up the show with some F1 news, some more football news as we'll finish up talking about the Bills' return to blue and red scrimmage. We'll do all that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back in the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick final segment as we head into the weekend. Sports Talk Saturday will, of course, be tomorrow from 11 to 2. Derek Kramer will have you tomorrow as, of course, we have a special Sports Talk Sunday with Bill's training camp. And Nate Gary will take you on Sunday from 11 to 2 as well. But to finish off here, of course, we're going to have a little bit of Formula One talk as Daniel Ricciardo looks to be out at McLaren. It's not too surprising. His form has not been good. Landon Norris has been beaten up on him. It is more surprising, though, that they get What looks to be the signature of Oscar Piastri, the Formula 2 champion, 21 years old. So McLaren is setting themselves up to have a great driver's lineup. But I will tell you, they better have a fast car. If it's a bad car, if it's a middle-of-the-pack car, they are going to get hounded. Because that driver's lineup is a good one for a number of years coming. And McLaren is having trouble keeping up with the Ferraris, the Red Bulls, and even the Mercedes of the world who are having an off year. They have got to figure it out, make their car easier to drive for all of their drivers instead of just none because even Lando Norris is having a tough time. But we are in the summer break. We'll be back August 28th, I want to say in Spa. But also good news from Bill's training camp as it sounds like no serious injuries at all from the scrimmage. Everyone got out great, which is perfect. And as we've been talking about Bill's Training Camp with a scrimmage. I do want to remind you that coverage of Bill's Training Camp on WGR is brought to you by Fecal Car and Joyce, your border attorneys. By New York's only outlet, Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the best place to buy a case. What's your outlet? And by Northtown Kia, the number one certified pre-owned Kia dealer in the eastern region. Shop NorthtownKia.com. That is going to do it for me this week on the Nightcap. I'll be back tomorrow with Derek Kramer. I'll be helping produce Sports Talk Saturday. That'll be 11 to 2. And I'll of course be back Monday with Show on the Bulldog that starts at three. And I'll of course be back here for Monday on the Nightcap starting at seven. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been the Nightcap on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will
1: cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.